What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. You know, DB, I think I know what it is. I don't think I'm on my A game today because I've been battling this cold. I, I had, oh, that's going I, around. I've had a stuffy nose. I've had a dry throat, which if you hear me cough on the show, which I have already done this morning, um, that that's, is that that's is what the we reason gotta, why. We, that's what we've got to get. We've got to get one of those cough buttons. I we so do. So it's coughing and cream? What? <laughs> what did I say? That was funny. I mean, hey, wasn't it? Hey, let me just put you back in your casket. Oh, nice my work, Shaner. Nice gosh. work. Not bad. Not bad. You tried. Not bad. Wow. You almost got it. Almost got it. <laughs> Coffin yeah. and no, cream. You know, I got this bad like sinus pressure up top. Yeah, like, go get yourself fun. some augmentin, some amoxicillin. Well, I've, been, I've been doing like the Alka Seltzer. Some, some Omnicef. Some Omnicef. What is that? They're all antibiotics. One upgrade of another. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm just skip. Steph. Skip to the good stuff. Go get the augmenting. <laughs> Who's Steph? <laughs> Curry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll get to Steve Jones in a moment once we get him on the line. He's the play-by-play voice for Penn State football, and as I'm getting directed, he is here with us. Uh, Steve Jones again, the play-by-play voice for Penn State football and men's basketball. Steve, good morning. Hey guys, great to be with you. Hey, appreciate your time, man. A busy time. You're like putting a bow on signing day, another great <laughs> class, and your basketball team, whoa, they showed you some flashes. You think down six at the half, we got a chance, and then the second half happened. Well, Mason Gillis happened in the game. Yeah. I mean, you have to be, now, is he on the scouting report? Of course he is. Two years ago, he was a starter for them, along with Brandon Newman. Uh, he, but here's a guy that his career high is 14. So if he had gone out last night and say he'd scored 10, 12 points in the game, I wouldn't have been remotely surprised because I think he's a good player. Do I think he's going to hit nine threes and score 29? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, That's just one of those unexpected things because when you look at the game, they did a pretty good job on Zach Eady, 18 points, 13 rebounds. Look, that's a good night against him. Michigan State gave up 38 to him. So they did a good job on him. The two kids, Smith and Lawyer, they're the three-point threats. They combined to go two for 11 and threes. Now, if you tell me Edie's going to have 18 and 13 and Lawyer and Smith are going to go two for 11 and threes, I'm looking around saying, they got a real chance. Yeah, W. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Mason Gillis steps up. And he doubles his career high in the game. I mean, he came in averaging 0.8 three-point makes per game. He had only made 17 the whole season. And he'd only scored 55 points in the Big Ten. He just had a phenomenal night, and sometimes that happens. You know, go ahead. When, go when, ahead you're, when you're looking at a guy like Pickett, senior, I get it, mature, savvy, all those nice adjectives. But when you look at his efficiency, shooting the basketball, given what he does and where those shots come from, you're missing a ton if you're just looking at box scores with what he's able to do, aren't we? 
Well, no question. That's why I give the Wooden Award people a lot of credit, because I've been a Wooden Award voter for 37 years. And for the first time in my life, I got an email this week that had a Penn State name on it. Yep, he just got added. Yeah, and you know what? And he deserves it, because he's been able to average right around that 17, 18-point number Around eight rebounds a game is, you know, you look at his assist-to-turnover ratio, which is phenomenal. That's why Penn State is fourth in the nation, I think, in uh, assist-to-turnover ratio right now. And he's a big reason why, because he's the one handling the ball the majority of the time. He's also become a really good defender. And I asked Micah Shrewsbury last night in the pregame, when you, when you recruited him, what kind of player did you think you were getting and what kind of player do you have now? And he said, when I got him, I thought we were going to get a good point guard that was really going to help Penn State. He said, I thought he'd be a really good point guard for what Penn State wanted to do. He said, did I think I would be getting this kind of player? He said, of course not. He said, he works. And, I, you know, and I'm around him. He works all the time. This guy puts a lot of time in the gym. This guy uh, watches a lot of film. And, and he just sits there, and he's he's really – just a basketball junkie. He just works and works and works at basketball, loves the game, and plays, let's see, I, and this is a compliment, in a lot of ways plays an old man's game. <laughs> 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 he can, can post up and he can do all these things. And he, He's been obviously a major plus for what Penn State's done. You know, maybe further that point with Pickett for me and, and tell me, because you've had, you know, numerous interactions with him, how has time at Siena really benefited him just as a basketball player overall? Well, he was obviously a terrific player at Siena. He had a 46-point game in, in his career, and he had 20, 20-point performances at Siena. But he also looked around and he thought, like, like many players, okay, I'm at Siena. I think I can play at the highest level. All right? So now he transfers to Penn State, and he's playing in the Big Ten. And guess what? He can play at the highest level in college basketball. Mm. He's one of the top players. He should be a first-team All-Big Ten selection. And you see that with some, with, with guys that transfer in with Fred that want to play. I mean, you don't think Sam Griesel didn't sit there and look around and say, you know what, I think I can play at the highest level. And he goes to Nebraska, and Sam has been playing at the highest level. He's, play, he's played terrific basketball. Nebraska you know this guy's you know he, he was playing it at North Dakota for goodness sakes and now comes in and does that so that you have guys that mature at different times uh and they get an opportunity at a higher level I remember Andrew Rousey was a thousand point scorer in two years at UNC Wilmington he transferred to Marquette and he played two years at Marquette guess what he did he scored a thousand points there too so they're just guys that may fly into the radar at a certain point in their life, and then when they get the opportunity, they are ready and they can play, and pickets like that, greasels like that, and there are several other examples across the country like that. When you look at guys like Lundy and, and Pickett, and, uh, you know, Dorsey's a junior, uh, you've got two seniors. Do you allow, you allow yourself to think trajectory with this program, or are you staying in the moment right now with a little bit more of an older basketball team? Well, I think Mike Bray, who's leaving Notre Dame, is correct about something. And I think there's certain programs in the country that need to be old or older, mm. as a matter of fact. And I don't mean just the play-by-play guy. <laughs> okay. and, and so when you look at, 
at Notre Dame, that's what Mike Bray's better teams have been older teams. That's where the transfer portal comes in. Now, Micah Shrewsbury, to his credit, recruited a top 40 class that's already here at Penn State. And several of those players are going to be really good players down the road. Keba Jai, Jameel Brown, Evan Mahaffey, Kanye Clary. They're going to be good players at Penn State. Uh, the class he has coming in includes Kerry Booth. Calvin Booth is the general manager of the yeah. Denver Nuggets. It's his son, and he's one of the top 70 players in the country. So he's been recruiting younger players, but I also feel that you know, that if you do this right, you can bring in a good recruiting class or a terrific recruiting class, but also mix in a couple of transfers along the way to fill a gap here and there. I think you get in trouble when you decide to go wholesale and bring in a ton of transfers at once because that's a lot of people to integrate all at the same time, all for different systems, different cultures. Uh, I think if you can bring in a group of, of freshmen that can that can grow together and mix in older players like a Pickett, like an Andrew Funk, somebody like that, then I think it makes a big difference to the program. We're talking to Steve Jones, play-by-play voice for Penn State football and men's basketball. Let's change gears here real fast, Steve, over to football because the team had the second-best recruiting class in the Big Ten according to 24-7 Sports. How much much of that is a testament to James Franklin and – his recent success, I shouldn't say just recent success because he's had a lot of success with this Penn State program, but after going, you know, four and five just two years ago, then a seven and six season, but then going to 11 and two once again, how much of a testament to that recruiting class is his track record as a coach? Oh, there's no question. It has a lot to do with it. Uh, He's been dynamic as a coach here at Penn State. He's been dynamic as a recruiter as well. I also think getting out of COVID was a big plus for Penn State because you know they were trying to recruit on Zoom and so forth. But once they get them to campus and once that opened up, I don't think it's any coincidence that on June 1st, 2022, or 2021, June 1st, 2021, when the doors were open on campuses, Penn State was able to get back to recruiting the way they recruited before and use their on-campus recruiting formula that they like to work with and get them on campus, see the place, get them, you know, you know, you know, seeing all the facilities, being a part of what goes on around here. They like to recruit fully as a staff and not just specific positionally. Yeah, you're going to be around the position coach when you're on your recruiting visit. And also you know, some of your better recruiters, let's face it, are your players. And they make a big difference in all that. So they've been able now to go back-to-back. Since that door opened on June first, 2021, they've gone back-to-back and they've stacked two classes together. And now they're in the process of stacking a third. And I think the when the door opened after COVID, that brought Penn State recruiting back to where it was from 16 through, through 19. Steve, let me get you out of here on this. Uh, subconsciously or not, it seems like – Penn State is entrenched in that third spot in the East. That's not going to sit well uh, with a school that has played and won national championships. And uh, that feel, you know, you know, you don't have to take a back seat to anybody. But do you see that changing anytime soon? Well, it changed for Michigan because they were the team that was entrenched in third yeah. for years, uh, and it changed for them. 
And that's where that's why when I talk about stacking classes, that's where this comes into play. Yeah. Now you are closing the gap. They're in a in row. Other words, they you know in terms of the recruiting rankings, their rankings were better than Michigan's this year, as an example. Uh, they're closer to Ohio State than people realize. That game here, Penn State's winning the game with eight and a half minutes to go in the game. That's unbelievable. Uh, fourth so quarter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they're not. I mean, so they're not. So I mean, are you that far off? You're not really that far off. Now, you know, and they feel now they've got a five-star quarterback and Drew Aller that can do a lot of big things for them. They've put a lot of terrific players around them, including Nicholas Singleton and Katrine Allen. They've got a really good defense. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you can have a changing of the guard, and this could be an opportunity for Penn State to do exactly that. Let me sneak in one more here real quick, Steve, along those lines, because sure. they've, rec- they've recruited well and they haven't been able to recapture that first year where he rebuilt through the portal. Are you buying Michigan State in that recruiting process? Uh, boy, that's that's a he brought in all those transfers, and they had twenty of them. All right, fifteen of the twenty were FBS, and he found gold in Kenneth Walker. There's no question about that. But the portal works both ways. And what happened with Michigan State was this past year, they had 25 guys go into the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's gone both ways for them. And I think that they went for the quick fix. And I just feel that you need to, to recruit longer term and then fill gaps with transfers. And I think that's really the way I think more of the better teams are going. Well, once we get out of divisions, this is going to be fascinating. If, you know, it's like yeah. at 2024, I'm like, because I just think, Steve, SC and UCLA are going to have to find ways to block people. And the folks that have recruited yeah. well, these last, you, you hit the number three. Three good classes in a row gives you a chance to be really relevant. And that yeah didn't seem very confident for Steve there. <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it does. I mean, that's that's what you have to do. You have to stack classes. In other words, if you have to work around a class that didn't quite go well for you, now, okay, now you are working around it. When you're stacking classes like that, you're creating depth. You're creating competition. You know, you, know, you may be turning some guys over in a three-year span because they're going to the NFL, but you're able to keep replenishing that if you're stacking classes. Mm. And you, when you're talking about 1 through 16, I don't know how much pressure there's going to be on athletic directors. Is finishing sixth good? <laughs> good question. I guess when th- three of the teams are Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, you probably want to be closer to four, but that is a fantastic question because at first blush, I want to say no. Right, and that's what a lot of people are. I mean, when I was up in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago to do basketball, I was talking with their people. It was just an informal conversation, nothing formal. And I said, I said, and, and Luke Fickle's there. And I said, I said, what if he finishes sixth like two or three times? Well, I mean, that's the upper division of the league, but <laughs> right. it's still sixth. Yeah. I said, is that good enough? And they looked at me and they're like, geez, I don't know. And that's what it's going to be interesting to see how they want to play this thing out, especially with the college football playoff, because I think it'll be at 12 for a couple of years, and I think then there'll be a push to go to 16, because I don't think they can resist the money. Steve, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Steve. That's Steve Jones, play-by-play voice for Penn State football and men's basketball. Put, the, put that same question in the faces 
of administration and fans at Nebraska is sixth place. Which, where you want to be? Yeah, is, is that okay? So sixth, and they finish with a top 28-ish class at, in East Lansing. It seems like that should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But at, like at first blush when he asks me, I don't know, is sixth good? Eh, I don't know. In basketball it would be. Right, because there's <laughs> but how, like however wh- many teams in that bulk. But what's the pecking order? Right, and, and the, the Michigan thing is interesting because they're going to be the favorite in the East. Michigan will be the favorite in the Big Michigan, Kitties. Ohio State. Then probably Penn State. Then Penn State. And then in the West. Oh, fudge. What are we looking at, right? Because it's a ton of new faces. It's a ton of new teams. A ton of new coaching. Yeah. Who is the I mean, fa- talk, talk about yin and yang. Who Big is, Ten East versus Big Ten West. Who is the favorite in the West? I bet somebody has odds out right now. I, I think you would make Iowa the fave. I think Iowa has, has to be the favorite in the West. Is that crazy? Or is that... Me? I don't think it's crazy. Or is that me being the accused Hawkeye fan, which I'm not? I, I would think you'd have to make Iowa the fave. They got a couple good quarterbacks in the portal that'll give you a chance. How in the- Athlon Sports has Wisconsin as their fave. This is just writers, though, predicting the mm-hmm. way too early proje- uh, projection of what next year will look like. They have Wisconsin, then Iowa, then Minnesota, then Illinois, then Nebraska. Is fifth. Right not, on the nose for Nebraska. Not in the in West. In year one. Not in the West. Not in the West? No. I, I just I, I think the fan base would be extremely disappointed. That's why I always I've been asking the question for three months. Does the the uneasiness and the West with all the new faces and new places give you hope with the expectations in Nebraska? It's like I said, who's the best returning quarterback in the West? He'll be a guy that hadn't played for his team probably the year before. Cade? Maybe. And was he was he blowing the doors off the place in Ann no. Arbor? Hudson Card will be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting. Hudson Card will Has be Has a lot of talent. Yeah. And maybe that's why people like them. And Allmeyer is, is going to be a handful, too. I mean, is Card, are we just giving Card that job? Yeah, I would right away today. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Who is the – I, I, if it were me. Fifth does seem – Not very good. It seems like a gut punch to yeah. call Nebraska the fifth best team in the Big Ten West in a scenario to where you don't know what anything is going to look like next month, let alone next week with – you know who gets hurt? Who, how, how are they going to attack this coaching style versus that? And like nobody's going to know what the Big Ten West looks like until week five. Week five next year. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling we'll have some litmus tests and some pH balance readings going on after Boulder. And that's week what, week two. two. Yeah, yeah. I really do. 
and you can say that. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. But Colorado, let's just look at Big Ten play here, right? Come week five, I feel like you'll have a good gauge on who the best team in the Big Ten is. Well, you could get it after week one because they open with Minnesota. And you could, but even if you are 0-1, just say Nebraska takes a loss in week one. Wash your mouth out, young man. But by the time week five rolls around, they could be 4-1. So, like, I don't want to just say, hey, after week one. No, 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 no. This is what we know they're going to be. Normal people don't do that. So, I don't. Right. I don't. And I don't think you're saying that because that would be pretty dumb. But I'm saying with the West and how it will be won, it's crazy to have to think that there's so many moving parts. I think naturally when fans look at what the West has to offer, it changes their expectation for where Nebraska should be. So your original point was, man, that's a gut punch. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the West is in flux. It, it skews you. And, and you, you, you. You would rest you in that. Put, so you put Nebraska at the lower end of that list because of recency? Like recent seasons say that they are five versus Wisconsin being one. I don't Wisconsin see, wasn't I great don't last year, but they have been like, better. So what I was in, just getting ready in, to in say, the last three, I don't four years. see a huge difference between Wisconsin and Nebraska right now when I watched them play on the field last year. Nebraska beat Iowa last year, and I don't think they'll have near as good a team at the end of the season. Last, I don't think they'll have as good of a team team at the end of the season last year as they will this upcoming year you're talking nebraska nebraska so but iowa has to be better don't they well they're keeping everybody on staff at least on off (laughs) (laughs) the nebraska fans that were so preoccupied with that was crazy but i get it i mean whatever it's 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 a rival but how are you just going to reset losing like moss and jack campbell I still want the Steelers to draft Jack Campbell. Right? Like, you, you just. We talk about it a lot. One guy on defense can pave the way for everybody else. One guy. That's all it takes. Just no matter the Nebraska level. Nebraska worked no out on Iowa level. when Moss got hurt. I mean, they just were out there playing a catch for two and a half quarters against Iowa. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't have anybody that can cover Palmer. Well, when DeGene got hurt. That's yeah, when, it was that's it was it was DeGene that's, that's because I remember it was it sideways was, and Moss was on the brain because I was watching him at Senior Bowl practice yesterday. Right. Which um, Senior Bowl practice? I love watching that. It's cool because I, I was it, texting about like I like watching that, but I don't want to get into the nitty gritty if it's not something that you vibe with. But I liked the because I I texted you back before you even said anything of of your take. I just I think I I told you how I like I, how I technical. Saying, no, DeGene, no, they DeGene. are. Nice. I remember that. How technical they are, though, in their movements, and, and it just looks so natural for them. I, I mean, I was watching the offensive lineman from North Dakota State. Yeah. Is it Cody Mock? Yeah. And he has some of the best footwork I've seen from somebody that comes from the FCS level. Yeah, it was so impressive to watch SDSU wear them out up front. You know, and South Dakota State was the best team against the run in – FCS, because when you watch North Dakota State move, and I think I tweeted something out when they were playing each other um, with some of the line schemes that NDSU was using offensively. I'm like, 
there's a lot going on for both these. Mm-hmm. Like, this is good, high-caliber quality football, so it doesn't surprise me that you liked him because they are well coached up front. And then defensively, we just got done talking about Wisconsin. How about Keanu Benton? Yeah. Uh, hey, listen. That dude. I mean, I, I felt he's, like he's I felt like train. I should have got off the radio network during that Wisconsin-Nebraska game because I was falling in love with Benton. He was so good. It was unbelievable. We'll talk more Husker football, Senior Day football, and a little Creighton basketball next. <laughs> 